Well, I tell you what, that'll get you going this morning, amen. What a great worship set this morning as we have worshiped the Lord Jesus and then uh, some rousing uh, college music, right? It's good to be able to, to uh, hear those things and to be able to be in the presence of the Lord as we worship Him, but also now as we come to this new series that we're beginning called Disciple You. Disciple You, Disciple You. What are we to know? What are we to be? What are we to do? Good old disciple you. Y'all like that? Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we are going to have a great time with Disciple You, Disciple University. And as and just so you know, I've enrolled all of you into this university. And we're going to have a good time looking and all the classes that we're going to have, which is going to be every Sunday morning at this hour. Uh, 9.30 to 11 o'clock for the next 10 weeks, and we're going to look at the very foundational basics of discipleship. So these are all 101 classes, okay? Just very foundational, very basic. But as we enter into this new series, ask yourself some questions. Ask yourself, uh, what does a genuine disciple look like? What is it that being a genuine disciple looks like? What do you want your life to look like as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, if you say, well, I kind of like the way it looks right now. I think it looks like exactly what I'm doing at this moment. Well, that's great, except that we've all got room to grow. Amen? All got room to grow. And so uh, let's find out what the Bible teaches us about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? So we're going to look at, start this morning, in this message called The Call. And we're going to look at the call of Jesus to the disciples in Matthew chapter 4, going from verses 12 down to verse 25. And so we'll look at that and begin here uh, as the starting point for discipleship, university, the 101 class. So in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage of Scripture for us today. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, those who were epileptics, those who were paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the reading of your word. 
We thank you, Lord, for this call that Jesus made to the disciples. And, Lord, what we know is that you have also called disciples today with this very same call. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. May you open our hearts and open our minds, open our spirits to be receptive to what we need to understand. Lord, that we would apply this idea of being a disciple, that it is more than an idea. It's a way of life because of what you have done for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us today. I pray that you would change us where we need to be changed. Lord, I pray we'd be convicted where we need to be convicted. I pray that by your Spirit, you would call those who need to know Jesus as Savior today to be your disciples. And for those of us who are, Lord, may it be a time of refreshing and renewal in our hearts to realize what we have signed up for in this call, answering the call to follow you. And so, Lord, I pray now that you'd have your way in every heart and every life. And I pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see in the bulletin today the outline for today's message. And we're going to follow that along as we look at this idea of the call here uh, at Disciple You. And we're going to really be dealing mostly in verse 19 with just two words that you see there, which is the call that Jesus has to the disciples. Those two words are follow me, follow me. And so we're going to just really dig in and investigate what does that mean when Jesus says to follow me, to follow him. And so you see in the bulletin there, the first word there is follow. And let's dig into that a little bit. Let's investigate and understand what it means to follow. Well, when you think about following, everybody follows something, right? We all follow something. I remember when we first got here, GPS, uh, we praise God for GPS, you know. <laughs> we first got here. Now, you have to, you'd have to know where we used to live, all right? The tractors were on our road, all right? Uh, no stoplight in the entire county. Uh, so we came to, to Colonial Heights and Chester, and for the first six weeks, we had to use GPS to get from our house to the church just to make sure we knew where we were going. That is the honest truth. Right, honey? Right, yes. So, so following that GPS, it's good to follow GPS. Sometimes you, if you don't have one of those newfangled things like GPS, the map. Maybe you don't know what a map is, but anyway, follow a map. Or sometimes we follow instincts, uh, which can get you in trouble as well. But we follow, maybe you follow popular culture, or maybe you follow uh, family traditions or selfish desires. We're following after what we want. Maybe we're following the, the popular trends of the day. Whatever people are wearing, whatever's going on, we're going to follow those popular trends and make ourselves do what everybody else is doing. Or following our friends because our friends are doing it. But everybody follows something. But here's what you need to know about following. We can only truly follow one thing at a time, right? I mean, if you ever tried to follow two people, if you're, if you're in a straight line and you're going to follow somebody and then you think, okay, well, I could follow them. You can't follow two different people at the same time. You could try that, but it's not going to be pleasant, right? It's not going to get you very far. Or, or if, you're in the, if you're following a car, you've got a line of cars and then you, then. You're all supposed to be going somewhere, and then somebody veers off and goes this direction. Then you're in a dilemma. Okay, what do I do, right? You can't follow more than one thing. You can't follow more than one person. So following then means three things. The first one is this. Following is leaving. Following is leaving. And verse 20. Yes, please, I will take that bottle of water, please, brother. Got the frog in the throat today. Thank you. All right. Thanks. 
So in verse 20, we find that following means living, leaving. They immediately, it tells us there, they immediately left their nets and followed him. And verse 22, it tells us immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. So the disciples have left some things. They've left their nets, they left their boat, they left their father, and they have followed Jesus. So they apparently, these disciples had apparently seen Jesus before and heard uh, his teaching as we find in John chapter 1. And so now, as Jesus says to them, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, to follow Jesus meant that they were leaving all, as we find here. They're leaving all. They're leaving their careers. They're leaving their possessions. They left their nets. They left their boats. They're leaving their source of livelihood. That's how they make money. They're they're leaving their sense of security. They're trading their comfort and what they know for a sense of uncertainty. They don't know what's around the corner, but they're leaving it all to follow Jesus. They're leaving uh, safety for danger. They're leaving self-preservation now to deny self. And they're leaving their friends and they're leaving their family even to go where? To follow Jesus. Can you imagine... Uh, as James and John, they're getting ready to leave their, their dad, and, and they say, hey, dad, by the way, we're gone. We're following Jesus. And the, the father says, well, where are you going? I don't know. We're just following Jesus, right? They left their family and their friends to go with Jesus, not knowing where that was going to lead, but following Jesus. So you see, friends, the call was away from self, to Jesus. It's the call away from what we find comfort in, the, 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 our own self-preservation. It's, it's our own sense of security, our own safety. We, we, we may need to, we, and we certainly need to uh, go away, from, leave that to follow Jesus. That's the same call for today. We don't know where we're going, but we're following Jesus because he's called us. In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. The disciples did not know where they were going. And as as the Lord Jesus calls us to be his disciples, friends, we have no idea where we're going either. But here's the thing. We may not know where we're going But we know who we are going with. Amen? Amen? We're going with Jesus. We'll talk a little bit more about who he is here in just a few minutes. But we're going to go with Jesus. But the disciples here, as they left all, they're leaving all. They're doing so because the disciples are believing in Jesus. They, They trust in Jesus. They had faith in his way. And so they abandoned all. You see, friends, when we begin to follow something or someone, you quit following all else. When you begin to follow something, you quit following other things. We quit following your way. You quit following the traditional way. You quit following the culture's way. You quit following the logical way even sometimes. But we begin following the way, who is Jesus. So what about you, friends? Who or what are you following? Who are you following today? What is it that you are following? What have you left? So following means leaving, and also it means loyalty. Following means leaving, and it means loyalty. 
Just as these disciples were leaving all, they were loyal to Jesus. It tells us again in these verses, verse 20 and 22, it says that they immediately left their nets and they followed him. Verse 22, it says they left their boat, their father, and they immediately, and they followed him. So the disciples are following Jesus. Jesus is the boss, you see. Jesus is the guide. Jesus is the teacher. Jesus is the rabbi. He is the king. Jesus is the king. And as the king, he demands what only a king can demand. And that is loyalty. Y'all with me this morning? Everybody with me this morning? I know this is a class, but you don't have to get sleepy in this class, all right? And so that loyalty that he demands, listen, understand this, that still today that means... That this Jesus who calls us to follow him, he still has absolute, supreme, complete authority over every compartment, over every domain, over every department, every small crack and crevice of our lives. Because as it's been said, he is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. He is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. But today... Just as then there were those who say that they want to follow Jesus. But when the demands are too much, then they will pull away. We find here that it tells us in verse 25, there are great multitudes who followed him from Galilee to Capitalist, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Last week, if you recall, in the, sec- the last chapter of the book of 2 Timothy, Paul talked about a fellow who, uh, who had loved this present world, a man by the name of Demas. You remember that? And how he left the faith, he left this because he quit following Jesus with Paul and because he loved this present world. Then we find also in John chapter 6, verse 63, and I'm not going to read those passages, but in that following verses there after that, it tells us that as Jesus had been teaching to this large multitude of people, that the crowds didn't like what they were hearing and the Bible says that they departed from him. So people may say they're following the Lord, but then when things are getting tight, things are getting rough, and they don't understand or they don't like it, then they decide, nah, you know what, I'm, I'm out of here. And people do that. Listen, friends, as the Lord Jesus calls us to follow him, it's not like choosing your favorite flavor of ice cream. All right? When Jesus calls us to follow him, it's not like trying to choose what restaurant you're going to. Y'all hear me? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you know what that's like, don't you? I'm sure none of you have any conversations like this, but I've heard about conversations like this. You get in the car and you say, well, we're going out to eat. Where do you want to go? I don't care. (laughs) Well, how about let's go here? No, I don't like that. (laughs) Okay, well, then how about this? No, I don't like that either. Well, where do you want to go? I don't care. (laughs) None of y'all ever had conversations like that, I'm sure. Because we certainly have not had them at our house either. <laughs> but understand something, that following Jesus is not like that. Well, today we like something, tomorrow we don't. Today I want to do this, tomorrow I don't. That's not the idea of following Jesus. That's not being a disciple. You see, friends, following Jesus is leaving all and being loyal to him as he has first place in every part of our lives. Not just sometimes, but all the time. 
Not part-time, full-time. He has, he has first place in every area, every part of who we are and of our lives. He sits on the throne of your heart, not you. That's what it means to be loyal to him as a disciple as we follow him. But what happens too often, I'm afraid, is that what we like to do is we consider Jesus to be important and all that, and we know that he did things for us, and we know that we're blessed by him, and we know that we have this insurance of being in heaven with him. And so, but, he, he's, but he's over here somewhere. And so what we do is we, 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 we have all these departments and compartments of our lives, but Jesus, well, we're going to just relegate him to his own little realm over here. You know, as I was thinking about how that, what that kind of looks like, I thought about this piece of furniture that I saw uh, not too long ago and how this huge piece of furniture has all these little drawers in it. And so I thought about, you know, buying it and bringing it up and, and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, I'll just let them have, let them imagine this piece of furniture. I said, well, I'm not sure if folks can imagine that. So I got a picture for you. All right. This is not the piece I'm talking about, but here's a piece of furniture that think of this as your life. Okay. And each one of those drawers there is just a compartment of your life. Because we tend to compartmentalize different aspects of our life, don't we? You know, uh, there's the bills and the budget part of my life. That one's way at the bottom, maybe. Then there's the, the work and the office. That's probably one of those big drawers there. That's, okay. that's an important part of my life. And family time, maybe that's the largest one there. Family time, and time at home, that's definitely one of those. Maybe there's a, the school has, has its own compartment. Maybe uh, sports. Oh, yeah, there's got to be a compartment there for sports somewhere. Maybe there's music, the music that we listen to, TV that we watch. Conversations. The conversations has its conversations we have with our kids, conversations we have with our spouses, conversations that we have with, with our parents. That's got its own little compartment as well, you know, because we have those. And then there's the compartment that's full of our p- opinions. Hmm. I'll let you decide which one of those is yours. Maybe in our politics, maybe that's even got its own place. Maybe that's the big one with the round button, like a hot button, you know, and you, you have to be very careful when you open that one, right? But you seen that green box in the middle? Imagine that's where a lot of people just put Jesus. He sticks out. He's important and all that, but he's got his place. Jesus got his place. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you what. If that's you where Jesus just has his little place, that is not being a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is not to be relegated to a little green box. He's to have, listen, he's to have authority over every compartment. Not just one little place. He is to filter through all those places. So Jesus is to have authority over your bills and your budgets. Jesus is to have authority when you go to work in your office. He's to have authority in your family time. The way you speak to your children, the way your children speak to you, the way you speak to each other as spouses. He's to have authority over that part of your life that is where you go to school and your friends that you deal with and you talk to. He's to have authority over your sports. Yes, believe that or not. When we play games, play sports, he is to have authority even there on the field or in the gym. He's to have authority as we listen to music and TV and we'll look at TV. What is it that we're listening to? What are we putting into us? Well, Jesus must have authority in that part of your life. 
the, the part of, of your opinion. Jesus even must have authority over your opinion and your politics even. Amen? Every aspect, every part of your life. He is not to be relegated to a little green box. But he's to have complete control. He's to be the passion in every area of your life. He is over, listen, this Jesus is over every area of your life, in every compartment, in every drawer, and even in every hiding place. You know, every, a lot of furniture has these little hiding niches, little places. We say, well, I'll just, I'll let him have the whole thing, but there's just this one little hiding place that I, I, I've got to just keep that there. No. He used to have authority over every part. Amen? Every part. Nothing should be hidden from the Lord. And it's not, by the way. He's to have complete control. He's the Lord over every detail. And so the question is, is is he Lord over every area of your life? Because he demands obedience and he demands commitment. As I was looking, uh, reading some, doing the research for today's uh, message, I came across the commentary that had quoted David Platt. Uh, He said these words, thinking about what it is to be a disciple. He said, we want to follow a Jesus that doesn't require anything of us. Too often, we've given in to the dangerous temptation to take the Jesus of the Bible and to twist him into a version of Jesus that we're more comfortable with. It is a Jesus who is okay with our materialism. He's fine with our nominal devotion that doesn't require any sacrifice, and he's pleased with a brand of faith that requires attendance on Sunday, but no real commitment in day-to-day life. Brothers and sisters, I believe that that is awfully true of too many people who claim to be disciples today and that he's, he's okay with me doing whatever I want. He's okay with my materialism. He's okay with me just checking off my Sunday box. I'm here. But by way of him having absolute control over every aspect and being the one that we go to to seek guidance in every department and compartment of our lives, no, that's not who, who, I, who I signed up for. That's not, that's not what I want. Well, that's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, to follow him. It is leaving all... And being loyal to Jesus. And then thirdly, it is learning. Being a disciple and following is being loyal to him, is leaving all, being loyal to him, and learning. You see, in that day, to be a disciple meant that you would follow your rabbi. You would, as a, as a disciple of the rabbi, you would want to learn from him. You would stay with him. You would go with him. You would watch whatever he's doing. And you would learn his ways, learn what he's teaching, and learn how, what's important to him. That's what it is to be a disciple. And that's what Jesus does with his disciples. These disciples here, they must learn from him. They must live with him. They must follow his example, striving to be like him, owning his priorities, owning his values, and learning by him about him. They were learning from Jesus about Jesus, and they were learning about their purpose that Jesus had for them. He tells it there in verse 19. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You'll be a discipler of disciples. 
And not only is he going to teach you, but he's also telling them how to do it. I will give you what you need. I will make you to be fishers of men. And so as he's the teacher and we're the learner, shouldn't we do what he says? Shouldn't we do whatever he says that we must do? We learn from him. And so how do we learn from him today? Well, we learn from him by spending time with him. If you want to learn how to be a disciple of Jesus, and brothers and sisters, you need to do more than just sit here on Sunday morning for an hour. Amen? Amen. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ means you need to live with him and he with you. You need to let him teach you through as you spend time with him in prayer, as you spend time in his word, studying his word, finding out what he's got, got to say to you in his word. As, you, as we worship together, yes, it's important. We should not neglect our time of gathering together and growing together in, in our Sunday school classes and our community groups to hear from, from the Lord, to learn from him, to spend time with him. You see, to follow is leaving all, being loyal to him, and learning from him. There's so much more that we can talk about and that we will in the weeks to come about what that really looks like. But we just know we need for now to spend that time with him to learn from him about him. Amen? Following is, being, is leaving all, being loyal to him, and learning. And so he says, follow, but then he also says, follow me. So who is this me? Who is it who is calling us to follow? Who is this Jesus? Who who gives him the right to issue these demands of our life that we are to leave everything and to follow him? That we're to be loyal to him and he's to have first place. Who is this Jesus that he has the right to issue that toward us, to say this is what you must do? Well, we see a couple of things here. One is that he is our hope. He is our hope. If you look in the first part of this that we read today in chapter 4, starting in verse uh, uh, 12 and going through, you find that Matthew, as he's been inspired by the Holy Spirit, when he gets down to verse 14, 15, and 16, he is uh, quoting from Isaiah chapter 9. In verse 15, he quotes, he says, in verse 14, he says, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region, the shadow of death, then light has dawned. Now he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 9. And knowing the context of Isaiah, as Matthew would know this, and of course the readers of this passage would know this as well, readers of this book would know this, that Isaiah 8, when you look back at Isaiah 8, Isaiah 8 contains prophecy of a coming judgment. And when you come to chapter 9, verse 1, the, the, the scene shifts, and it goes from talking about the coming judgment, but then he says in verse 1 of chapter 9, nevertheless, and then he gives this, this issue of hope, this call of hope, this promise of hope, that is coming to deliver his people, to deliver God's people, who, people who are sitting in darkness, people who have see, will now see a great light, who, who are in the shadow of death. The light now has dawned. And so he's pointing the people that this God promises a deliverer who would come in the form of a child who would be born. Maybe you'll recognize what he goes further and says in Isaiah 9, where he says, For unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful 
Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You see, that prophecy was for those who needed hope. The prophecy that Isaiah spoke to said, there's coming one who is going to bring hope to you. For us today, friends, we know that that person is Jesus. He is the one who brings hope. He is the one, as he talk, they talk about here, and Isaiah was prophesying about the, the, the Galilee of the Galilees, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Galilee was far from the city of Jerusalem. The temple, the presence of God was there in Jerusalem. They were far from there. Was, they were feeling like they were hopeless. The Jews were living in darkness among the nations. They dwelt among the despised, and they were enveloped in this shadow of death. And to these, in the, Isaiah the prophet says, look, to these, there, there's coming one who... Light will come in the midst of darkness. Hope has dawned. And now Matthew is saying, look, take that past scripture and look at Jesus because he is the light that has shined in the darkness. He is the one who is our hope. He's the one that in the shadow of death, Jesus brings hope to us. He is the fulfilled prophecy. He is the Messiah. He is our hope. The reader certainly would understand that, that he is their hope and that he is the Messiah. But also we see the hope that he brings in how he calls these disciples here. We see that he's the hope that he talks about there from Isaiah prophesied. But then also when you look at how Jesus has called these disciples, we also see that there's hope here as well. You see, in that day, disciples typically chose the rabbi. They'd see a rabbi, they'd say, okay, we want to follow him and do what he says. But what happens here is that the rabbi chooses the disciple. Jesus chose the disciples. That's what he does. And notice the disciples that he chose. He chose fishermen. He, he didn't choose the priests. He didn't choose the religious leaders. He didn't choose the people that were high up in, in authority. He went to the lake and chose the fishermen, the common man. What in the world was in Peter and Andrew and James and John that Jesus thought, man, these are great disciples. There was nothing in them. Nothing. And yet Jesus chose them by his grace and did a marvelous work in their lives. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. Jesus calls us And he does so knowing that there's nothing good within us. There's nothing that causes us to deserve him to call us. But by his grace, he calls us to follow him. And in following him, he uses us for his glory. Amen? Who am I? Why would God choose someone like me? Why would Jesus call me? to be a disciple, to follow him. There's nothing in me, but it is simply by the grace of God. Amen? And all of us, it's by his grace. It's because of his grace that he calls us. And as he calls us, we must hear the same message that Jesus was preaching then, which is to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the message he was proclaiming. That's the message we need to hear as he calls us to himself. To repent, which is to turn. It's a change of heart about sin. To have a change of, of our, in our heart about our sin. And to have a godly sorrow over our sin. And confess our sin. And even have a hatred of sin. 
to repent, turning from that sin, turning to him, and believing in him as the king. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is the king. The king is here. And he has come, and he is coming to save all who will trust in him. This Jesus, the one who says, follow me, is the king, and he is our hope. The light that has shone in our darkness. The king who has called us to repent and to believe in him because he is the one who offers us hope. I appreciate Brother Matt praying this morning for the offertory prayer. We talk about the storms and how true that is. Amen. When the storms are going on in our lives and all of us have stuff that we're going through. To know that even though the storms that we look like and, and when we look at the, the map today and we see the one that's still in Mexico, we see Irma, we see Jose over here. And to see the enormity and the magnitude of these storms. But to realize that we serve a God who is bigger than those storms. Amen? He is bigger than that. He, he is God. And because he is God, he is our king and he is our hope. We can trust in him. Unfortunately, today, there are too many people who are trying to find their hope in just being good or trying to do good or work really hard or to please people. But friends, those things are dead ends. They offer no hope. Our hope is found only in Jesus Christ who is and will forever be the light of the world and the Messiah. He is our hope. So we follow the one who is our hope and then we follow the one who is also, secondly, our healer. Our hope and our healer. Look at verses 23 and 24. He says, And Jesus went all about Galilee. It's sort of a summary of what Jesus was doing. He went all about Galilee. He is teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, the epileptics, the paralytics, and three words, he healed them. He healed them. You see, our God works miracles. Here we see that Jesus worked the miracles to validate himself as the Messiah. He showed his power that he was able to heal sick people with just a touch. He was able to cast out demons with a word. He is able to do all kinds of things. Nothing is impossible with our God. He is able Because he is the king, because he is God, and there is no other. And he is still the healer. He is still the one who heals. In Matthew 8, 16 and 7, he says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying that that he himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. Where did he bear those? I'll tell you where he bore our iniquities, where he bore our sicknesses. It was on the cross. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 tells us that. It says, Who himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, that's you, that's me, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose, yours and mine, by whose stripes we are healed. We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. We are healed because he went to the cross for us. He heals us spiritually. We have hope because he is our healer. He has healed us. 
Let me tell you on something today. That same Jesus that we read about in the Bible, he is still able to heal today. He is still the same God. He is still able to change people's lives. He is still able to offer hope and able to heal. He makes us whole as the healer. Without Jesus Christ, we're missing. We're missing out. We're missing him. We're missing and being reconciled to our creator. But he makes us whole. He makes us right with holy God. And he heals our life when we say yes to Jesus because of what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. He heals our life. Let me tell you what. He heals our hearts. He heals our families. He heals our churches. And he heals our communities. He is the healer who is our hope. Jesus, this Jesus says, follow me. Because he is our hope and our our healer. And he is, listen, he is worthy. He is worthy of being followed. Because he alone is the king who deserves our leaving all and being loyal to him and learning from him because he is Lord. Follow me, Jesus said. Follow me. There's hope nowhere else. There's healing nowhere else. There's light nowhere else. Follow me, Jesus said. And brothers and sisters, we must... Heed the call and follow him. Y'all got that this morning? Y'all sure y'all got that this morning? Because when we are to follow him. The trends of this world, the culture's going in crazy directions. Hey, you don't know who to follow? Follow him. Follow Jesus. So just so we're clear, in discipleship, you one-on-one and the call. We follow who? Him. Him. Jesus. We follow him, Jesus, because he is the Lord and we're the servant. He's the king and we're the subject. He's the master and we're the slave. He's the teacher and we're the student. He's the shepherd and we're the sheep. He's the expert and we're the apprentice. He's the trainer, and we're the trainee. He's the instructor, and we're the pupil. He's the boss, and we're the hireling. He's the superior, and we are the subordinate. He's the Christ, and we are the Christian. He is Jesus, and we are the disciple. He reigns, and we yield. He rules, and we bow. He directs, and we go. He speaks, and we obey. He works and we join him. He calls and we follow. He saves and we are changed. Amen? Follow him. We are to follow him. Now, we've been doing a honeydew list at the end of these messages for quite some time now. The to-do list. But since we are in a university setting. Instead of to-do, you have assignments, all right? So here are the assignments, and each one, each week over the next two weeks, are always going to include these three things because these are very important. What do I need to know? What do I need to be? What do I need to do, okay? So the first thing is, what do I need to know? What do you need to know? Here's your assignment. Here's what you need to know. He, you need to know this, he is worthy 
of far more than just church attendance and convenient Christianity. Amen? Man, let me tell you what, y'all need to know that. We all need to know this. That this is who Jesus is. He is worth more than just a checkbox during the week. He is worth more. He is worthy of far more than that. And since he is worthy of more than that, then let's be more than that. So let's be loyal to Jesus. Let him have supreme authority over every compartment and every area of your life. Now, if you find that piece of furniture out somewhere, please don't buy that for me, all right? But I hope that you will remember what that piece of furniture looks like and the green box. Do not relegate Jesus to the green box. Amen? Let him have authority over every part of your life. Be loyal to Jesus. And then thirdly, this is what you need to do. Good way to get us started. Follow him. Just follow him. May not know where you're going, brothers and sisters, but at least you know who you'll be with. Amen? Follow him wherever he leads. That's where I want to go. Now let's think about this real quick. As you think about this idea of following him, Jesus says, follow me. All right? When he calls the disciples, he calls us as well to follow me. These two words, brothers and sisters, these two words are not meant to be analyzed or mulled over. Rather, this is a call for action. And so we are confronted with the question today. Will you abandon self and follow Jesus, being committed to him completely, learning from him, spending time with him, because he alone is our hope and our healer and the light in the midst of the darkness and our king. Amen? Will you follow Jesus? Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to send your Son and our Savior to take our penalty for our sin upon himself on the cross of Calvary. He is our Savior. Lord Jesus, you are the one who has saved us, delivered us, and rescued us. And indeed, Father, we pray that you would help us, those who have already said yes to the call to follow you, Jesus. Lord, may you renew that in our hearts and our minds today. Maybe, Lord, where we have been convicted of, where we have simply compartmentalized you and put you apart to yourself, Lord Jesus. May you now have complete authority over every aspect of who we are. May you challenge us with that daily to filter everything we do and say through the lens of Jesus. May you have authority over our words, our actions as we follow you. Lord, I pray that you would guide and direct us to make decisions of commitment today. Maybe there are those here who've never trusted Christ as Savior. And this is, you're calling them to yourself to follow you. Lord, may they say yes today. To know that we're sinners in need of a Savior, turning from our sin to you, Jesus. Believing you died for us on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave 
make you the Lord of our lives. Lord, may you work in people's hearts and lives who don't know you as you're calling them today. But Lord, for those who do know you, may this be that time of refreshing and renewal and a recommitment. So Lord, I surrender my all to you and I truly want you to be my one pure and holy passion in every area of my life as we follow you. Lord, you're worthy and you alone. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. Pastor Joe's here and I'll be here. If you need us to pray with you, we'll be glad to do that. Or if you want to pray silently. But you come as God has dealt with your heart as we sing about that one pure and holy passion.